We exist to see God glorified and churches multiplied by declaring and displaying the gospel. Today's passage is from Romans chapter 16, verses 25 to 27. Please turn to Romans chapter 16, verses 25 to 27. Romans chapter 16, verses 25 to 27. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the one wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. It's good to see you today. You sounded beautiful singing. It was... Uh, I wish that you all could just stop singing and listen to everyone else singing, but then that would kind of defeat the purpose of all of us. I do think maybe we're just each week, a different one of you, sit on the front row and just don't sing. Just don't sing. Just listen to, to each other sing the praises of God. It was beautiful this morning to, to hear. Um, thank you for being here. If you're a guest with us, my name is Joshua. I'm one of the pastors here at Emmaus, and on behalf of our pastors and our covenant members, it's a joy to have you with us. Thanks for joining. We'd love to meet you after the service. We'd love to uh, greet you, hear your story, how you came to find us, uh, answer questions that you have about us. And so we have a connect table in the lobby. Uh, and then also you could go to EmmausKC.com forward slash connect. That's EmmausKC.com forward slash connect. And there we have a digital connection card you can fill out. We also have other opportunities to figure out how to get plugged in with membership, groups, and other things that are going on here at the church. And so make sure that you um, take a look at that. Also, Emmaus families, uh, as we have our eyes set towards September when we relaunch Emmaus Kids in the um, post-COVID uh, world, uh, we also have this, this summer monthly kids opportunities, gatherings. And so this Wednesday night, K through fifth grade is gathering together uh, at Mackin Park. And so make sure that you check out social media and the website for information about that. You can sign up through the online uh, sign-up form, or uh, you can just email kids at EmmausKC.com and, um, and sign up that way as well. And so uh, look forward to, to seeing you all there at the park on Wednesday uh, night this week. Um, hey, uh, one of the things that, that we uh, get to pray for today is, um, is Pastor Sam and Shannon. As you know, they are in um, the, the UAE right now. They'll be back in a few days, uh, but their time there is drawing to a close. I uh, heard from them this morning when I awoke. They had messaged. It was midnight my time, morning their time, and um, and they message they're, they're doing well. They're, the Lord is doing incredible things there. They're seeing great opportunity for gospel advancement. Um, their hearts seem to be very um, joyful in the process there. And they said the food is amazing. And so um, there's a number of things there that are going well. We want to pray for them for continued wisdom for them. Um, if you were not here when we prayed for Pastor Sam a few weeks ago, Pastor Sam and Shannon are considering a position in the UAE uh, of leading and teaching at a seminary that is training pastors for churches um, all across the, uh, the Middle East and the unreached parts of our globe. And so we want to pray for them as they're walking through that process of prayerfully considering that. 
We also want to pray today uh, for um, the network of churches which we belong to, one of the networks which we belong to. We're part of Acts 29, but we're also part of the Southern Baptist Convention. This week, there will be around 17,000 messengers from 45,000 Southern Baptist churches which are gathered together in Nashville um, to conduct the one yearly business meeting of the Southern Baptist Convention. There's a lot of things that will be considered there, a lot of motions and resolutions and decisions and leaders put in place this week. Uh, Emmaus has sent 10 messengers there um, to be a part of that. And and we want to pray that this week the, the Southern Baptist Convention needs wisdom, discernment, grace, love, gentleness as they're going through this process. And so we want to pray for that as well. And then we want to pray for our hearts as we dive into this word today. So let's do that. Jesus, I thank you that you are beautifully kind enough to bring us here today to be gathered together. That you created the church, you have gathered this church, and you have placed us in a room this morning with the intention of us gathering to worship, to sing, to confess, to pray, to be assured of our pardon through faith in Christ, to open up these scriptures and look at this word. Father, thank you for this joy. I pray that you would um, speak to us through your word today, that you would enlighten our hearts to the truth that you have for us, that you would um, remind us and, 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 and reassure us of the truths that we have seen in the book of Romans. Father, that you would be very gracious to us through this. Spirit, we need to hear a sermon from you. Preach a better sermon than I have prepared. Father, be with Pastor Sam and Shannon as they're continuing their last few days in the UAE. Would you continue to give wisdom, discernment, vision of what you have for them in the coming days and years? And then, Father, we pray for um, our family of churches, the Southern Baptist Convention, as they gather together. God, would you give much grace and much wisdom, much gentleness, much discernment. Would you give boldness for truth as well as love for one another? Father, we pray for your sovereign will there. Father, lastly, we pray that if there's anyone in the room today who has not trusted you through faith in Jesus, that you would lead them to repentance today, that their hearts would be drawn to you, that they would see the person and the work of Jesus and that they would believe and be saved. We pray these things in your beautiful name. Amen. Amen. We're in our last week in the book of Romans. For the last, well, not the last 34 weeks, but since September of last year, over a course of 34 weeks through that period of time, we have opened up the scriptures to the book of Romans together. And today we conclude our journey through Romans. Let me let you know where we're going from here, just so you kind of know what's, what to expect as we leave Romans. Almost every week you just show up, unless it's Christmas time, since September you've been like, well, it's going to be Romans. So, so what's next? We begin a series next week that we um, have done every year except for last year in the midst of COVID, uh, and, and it's called the Residence Series. Here at Emmaus we have a pastoral residency where we're training men and women for ministry, and every year uh, we let four of those men preach to you as a church on Sunday mornings. And so next 
week, I will actually preach the first sermon of that to kind of set the, the groundwork for that. And then the following four weeks, we'll have pastoral residents come and preach to you. Uh, our pastors will be listening to them, um, not this coming Saturday, but the following Saturday. We'll listen to, to 12 men preach sermons. We will give immediate feedback to them, walk them through things to, to work on in their delivery, things to work on in their theology, different aspects of that. And you as a church are invited to that. It'll be upstairs in the event space a week from Saturday. Um, it begins at 8, and I believe it goes till, I think, 7. Maybe it's 11 people that we're doing this year. And you're invited to come for as many or as few as you would like. Come listen. It's a lot easier for those guys to preach to a room of 15 or 20 people than it is just three or four pastors sitting there with pens grading them on their sermons. And so come support them. Be a part of helping them with that. We've said here, um, kind of jokingly and kind of not jokingly, that part of the responsibility of the local church is to listen to bad sermons. Right? We have to listen to people preach bad sermons in order for them to learn how to preach good sermons. And even after they learn how to preach good sermons, a lot of times, you've listened to me long enough, you know we still preach bad sermons. Right? And so you, we want to encourage you to do that. And, and I don't believe we've ever heard a bad one from, from our residents. In fact, every year our church has grown during the residence series, which is a very humbling thing. Get rid of the main preachers, and the church grows during that season. So we're super thankful for that. We'll be doing that for the next five weeks. Following that, we're going to spend seven weeks in a series called The Trinity. Our pastors believe that it is um, really important for us as the church um, to know who our God is, to know who our triune God is, to, to know him rightly and to worship him rightly. It's important for our joy. It's important for our faithfulness. It's important um, for, for the mission of God. And so for seven weeks after Resident Series, we're going to dive into The Trinity. And then when we come back from that, which will be the second week of September, we'll begin the book of Ecclesiastes. We're going to journey through Ecclesiastes this fall, end it just before Advent. And during Ecclesiastes, I believe we're going to see a beautiful um, picture of what it looks like to live with death and eternity on our radar. All right, this beautiful picture of what it looks like to really live for what truly matters, which will bring joy and purpose and longing in our lives for, for what the Lord has promised us to come. And so I encourage you to continue to press in as we take that journey. Today we conclude Romans with what is called the doxology. It's his prayer at the end of this letter. It's his conclusion for us. In Romans 1, through chapters 1 through 3, we saw that our, we, we saw that our need for the, we saw our need for the gospel of Jesus and our inability of, and the inability, excuse me, of religion to save us, right? So in, in chapters one through three, we saw our need for the gospel and the inability of simply religion to save us. It told us those who have grown up with the law of God need saved by something outside the law. Those who have grown up without the law need saved by something outside the law. No one is righteous. Not a single one of us has been nor can be good enough to be accepted by God based on our own actions. But the gospel, it told us, is the power of God for salvation for all who believe. In chapters four through five, we saw that acceptance by God, right, acceptance by God is earned through, or it comes only through faith in Jesus, not through our efforts. Acceptance by God comes only through faith in Jesus. In Romans chapter six through eight, we saw that um, uh, it, it teaches us that the one who has been saved by faith, the one who has been saved by faith is free from sin and therefore should walk in the power of the Spirit into that freedom. If you've been saved by faith in Jesus Christ, then you have actually been freed from the power of sin, and you should walk into that freedom through the power of the Spirit. 
right? You've been freed from it, so live like a free person. It says you were dead in your sin, now you're alive in Christ. You, you were a slave to sin, now you're a slave of Christ. Sin does not have the hold on you, it once did, so stop living like it does. Romans chapter nine, verse, in Romans chapter nine through, verse, or through chapter 11, we're reminded that God is good and that is in his goodness, um, he will fulfill salvation for all who believe. He will fulfill it for all who believe. If you come to Jesus in faith, you do not have to fear that you will be rejected, nor do you have to fear that you will lose your faith. God has promised to preserve the faith that he has given you. He has never failed to save or to sustain those who believe in faith, and he will continue to be faithful to save and to sustain. So rest in his goodness to save you and to sustain you. In Romans chapter 12 and through chapter 15, Paul calls us to gospel living. We are to be living sacrifices of love towards others as a spiritual act of worship towards God. In other words, church, how we treat others matters. It matters because it is an act of worship to God and it's a testimony of the gospel to those around us. Paul says they will know us by our love. Romans 15 through 16, Paul lays out his plans and his hopes of gathering with the church in Rome and being sent to Spain for the sake of preaching the gospel. And he spends time outdoing them and showing honor. So he says, listen, I've longed to come to you. I'm finally going to get to come to you. I'm going to be there for a period of time with you. I want to be encouraged by the gospel from you. I want to encourage you with the gospel. And then I need you to send me to Spain because I want to preach the gospel there. And then he spends time outdoing them and showing honor, which is something he's already commanded us to do in this book. And he simply goes through listing names and praising God for them. And we come to the conclusion, this doxology, this prayer to God. In 2010, I found myself and, uh, and a group of others driving into a village in West Africa. I had lived in West Africa in 2001, had been back somewhere around um, 10 times to this point and found myself driving back into this village. We were exploring a new village of, a, of the people group we were looking to work with. We didn't know anyone in the village. We just drove in in a bush taxi, which is a four-wheel drive station wagon with the floor falling out. And, and we drove in and we got out of the taxi and walked up to the imam's house the house next to the mosque, and went in and began to greet them and began to have conversations and began to, to be asked, why are you here? And we, so we shared, we're, we're people of prayer. We've come to pray for you, and we've come to learn from you, and uh, we've come to see if there might be a place for us to engage in life with you here. And, um, and they invited us to stay with them that night. And so we got out our mosquito net tents. The first invitation was to sleep in the bed with the imam, and I was like, we'll set up our own tents. Thank you. That sounds more comfortable to us. So we set up our mosquito net tents in the compound, and, and then we got out. And they didn't know what to do with us, right? We're, we're Americans. They have no idea what we want to do. So, so they brought out their 19-inch black and white television, connected it to a car battery and a long pole so that they could get fuzzy um, French television for us to watch. And, and then they set out all their chairs in a row for us to sit at, and they all sat on the ground around us, and we watched French fuzziness all evening, right? And in the midst of this, we're looking for opportunities to have conversation. They're not super open to that yet. And someone comes and he taps me on the shoulder and says, hey, there's someone here you need to talk to. So I get up, my father gets up with me, and we go back to, um, to a dark corner of the compound where there's a man um, dressed head to toe in, in his Islamic teacher's outfit. And, um, and we introduce ourselves. And 
Um, his name's Ozzy. And Ozzy said, well, why have you come here? So we're people of prayer. We've, we've come to the village to, to meet you, to, to have conversations, to pray with you, to, to learn from you. He said, are you followers of Jesus? My first instinct is to look over my shoulder and to wonder what's going on. Yes, we are. Have you come here to tell us about Jesus? Yes, we have. And he said, good. I've been reading John chapter 3. I was like, well, how do you, how, why have you been reading John chapter 3? So long story short, he took us all the way back to 2001. And he began to share with us this journey of how God led him to explore the teachings of Jesus from the Quran itself and then to the scriptures. And he got to John chapter 3, which was the first place he opened his Bible. Opened it, read John 3. If you're not familiar, obviously John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But the greater story of John chapter 3 where that's taking place is Nicodemus, the religious teacher who comes to Jesus under the cover of night. So Nicodemus comes to Jesus under the cover of night to say, how do I have eternal life? And here's this man in the pitch blackness of this village coming to us. as a, He's a religious teacher himself, an Islamic teacher. And he comes to us and he goes, I've been reading John chapter 3. I don't understand it. Can you explain it to me? I said, what else have you read? He said, nothing. He said, all you've read is John 3. Yes. For how many years? Seven. Why is that all you've read? I don't understand it yet. How did you, why, why did you come talk to us? He said, last night I was in the city and I had a dream. And in my dream, a man in white was standing there and told me I had to come back to the city because there was truth to hear. I had to come back to the village. There was truth to hear. So I came back and I heard that you were in this household. And I've come to say, do you have truth for me? So we sat that night under the bright stars of West Africa and begun to unpack John chapter 3. And as we began to unpack John chapter 3, we began to talk to him about Jesus and what it means to have new birth, and that Jesus is the one who came to save us, that we don't have to perform, we don't have to do, we don't have to earn. In fact, we can't, but by grace, he came as the son of God. He died, he rose again, and he offers salvation to all who believe in faith. Ozzy leaps up from the log he's standing on in the middle of the night, jumps into the air and shouts, yes, clap for Jesus. And he starts going around, and now all of our teams gathered around the TV. I don't know who's watching the TV, but everyone's gathered around Ozzy, and he's going to each person, shaking our hands, saying, clap for Jesus. And we're sitting there going, we're Baptists, right? We don't know that we can get this excited about Jesus. That night, we prayed at the prompting of my father. We prayed that Ozzy would have dreams and visions that would affirm the truth that we had taught him. The next morning, he was outside our mosquito net tent staring at us while we slept, waiting for us to wake up and to have conversations with him because he had dreams that echoed what we had told him. I feel like what Paul is doing in this doxology is simply leaping up from where he's been writing this beautiful letter and shouting, now clap! For Jesus, clap for him, celebrate him, get excited about him. Do you feel, do you see, have you heard, do you understand the beauty that I have just unpacked for you in this letter? You are incapable of earning salvation. 
you can't possibly be good enough. You are doomed in every way, shape, and form, except God in his grace came to rescue you with his son. And if you have faith and believe in Jesus, you'll be saved. Would you celebrate that with me? Verse 27, Paul makes it clear for us that his greatest hope in this letter is for all, um, his greatest hope in this letter is for all of his teaching and his ministry, that all of it would point to the glory of God. Now we have said from the beginning of this series that Paul's writing Romans with the intent to unify this church in Rome this church that's beginning to be um, fractured and and broken around um, cultural and religious fault lines. And he's writing to unify them around the gospel. But that's not his end goal. In fact, we've said he's writing to, to unify them around the gospel for the sake of the mission. He wants them to believe the gospel and thus be unified together so that they can send him on to Spain as a strong church. He needs them unified and healthy so they can send him to those who haven't heard the gospel so he can preach the gospel to those who haven't heard. He goes, so so I need you unified around the gospel for the sake of mission. And he said, and we do this all by the power of the spirit. He's unpacked all this, but, but none of that is even his end goal. His end goal is not simply that he gets to Spain to preach. His end goal for all of this, including his desire to go to Spain, is for the glory of God. He wants God's fame to be known throughout the nations. He wants God to be worshipped and celebrated and applauded through the person and the work of Jesus. Romans 16, 25, look at it. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all the nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forever through Christ Jesus. Amen. 16.25 ties us back to chapter one, verse 16 where it says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Paul draws our attention to the power that is in and behind the gospel. In chapter one, the gospel is the power of God for salvation. And in chapter 16, God has the power, right? He is able to strengthen you according to the gospel. Schreiner on this says, the strengthening Paul has in mind here In 1625, the strengthening Paul has in mind is the power to resist temptation and trials with the result that they do not forsake and abandon the Christian faith, right? The strength he's longing for in this church in Rome and in us today is the strength to resist temptation and trials to the degree that it does not cause us to abandon our faith. He goes on to point out, Shriner does, that there is nowhere in this text an exhortation to be strong. Paul is not commanding strength in this doxology. He's promising strength in this doxology. He's not commanding that we muster up the strength to not falter, to not fail, to not fall away. He's saying there is a promise of strength. God is able to strengthen you. He's able to strengthen you through 
the gospel. In other words, the power of God which granted you salvation is the same power of God which sustains your salvation. Right? The gospel is not simply the power to save you, but the power to sustain you. Every week at Emmaus, we preach the gospel to you. And every week in your community groups, you remind each other of the gospel. Right? The gospel is not something that we use just to bring you into the family of God and then leave behind to go find deeper things. It is the sum total of the message that we have for each other. It's what initiates salvation and it's what fulfills and sustains salvation. We continue to preach the gospel because the gospel is the power of God to save and to strengthen those who are saved. Paul says, you wanna know how to be strong in your faith? You wanna know how to have this power? Keep preaching and hearing the gospel. Keep preaching and hearing Jesus. Verse 25, now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel, and the preaching of Jesus Christ, right? The gospel that I have preached to you, the Jesus that I have preached to you, it is by this gospel and by this Jesus that you receive this strength. Church, some of you are being destroyed by sin. You're being controlled by fear or discouraged by doubt today. And you're trying. You're trying really hard. You're trying really hard to be disciplined. You're trying really hard to put the right practices in your life. You're trying really hard to hold on in faith. You're trying really hard to stay pure and to not indulge in sin. You're, you're trying. And that discipline is good. Hear me. Like Paul says himself, he beats his body into submission. Right? Discipline is good. But here at the end of this beautiful letter, what Paul tells us is that discipline is no substitute for gospel. Discipline is no substitute for gospel. A daily reminding yourself of the gospel over and over again is a must, both individually, you with yourself, in your reading, in your listening, in your writing, reminding you, and corporately, you in community with the body of Christ. It's why it's absolutely essential that for Christians to be faithful, we walk with a gospel community, i.e. the church. Discipline without gospel is religion. And Paul has already told us in this letter that religion has no power to make anyone righteous. We need the gospel. And here's the good news. In all of your attempts, church, in all of your attempts to walk in faith through trials and temptations, remember, it is the promise of God's faithfulness to you, not the hope of your faithfulness to him, which gives you strength to press forward. It is the promise of his faithfulness to you, not the hope of your faithfulness to him, which gives you the power to press forward. And this is God's plan for all who believe. Paul says that the gospel of Jesus Christ was kept a secret but has now been revealed. Verse 25, now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, Right, that mystery being that the gospel is available for all, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command for the eternal, uh, of the eternal God. Paul goes, listen, this message, this good news, this hope and faith, this strength that comes from the gospel through faith is available to all peoples. 
This was kept a secret for a while, but it's been revealed through the prophets, through their teaching, through the proclamation of the gospel, through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. It's been revealed that, that the salvation is available to all who have faith. Doesn't matter who your family is or what your nationality is, it's available to all who have faith. This salvation was planned by God. He says, according to the command of the eternal God. God commanded this plan into motion. He commanded this plan into faithfulness. He commanded your faith into existence. He initiated your salvation. Your salvation was God's good and loving plan. He initiated the plan in eternity past. He fulfilled the work of the plan in the life, death, and resurrection of his son. He gifted you faith as part of the plan, and he'll complete the plan by sustaining your faith. Not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles. Not just for whites, but for blacks and Asians and Hispanics. Not just for men, but for women not just for Americans, but all nationalities, not just for the wealthy, but the poor, not just for the educated, but the illiterate, not just for the wise, but the foolish, not just for the moral, but the one whose life has been filled with immorality, not just for who you think he would and should give it to, but whom he desires to do it for. He does all of this, no matter who you are, if you come to Jesus in faith. This has been the summary of Paul's letter. And then he says, to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. The only wise one. All the wisdom of his plan of salvation. To the only wise one be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. And I feel like he's just jumping up and shouting, clap for Jesus. That's Paul's closing. God is able to strengthen you. He will strengthen you by the preaching of the gospel of Jesus, which was hidden, but has now been revealed. God ordained this and will complete this through Jesus so that we can rest in faithfulness. I feel like Paul's doxology simply wants to say, God is strong enough and he is good enough to save and to sustain you and you and you, and you, and you, and you, and you. Would you simply believe in faith? So your one pastoral charge today is this. Celebrate Jesus through faith. Celebrate him in faith. Not just cognitively, not just, hey, my mind recognizes this. My mind sees, okay, the gospel, I hear it, it makes sense. May your emotions and your feelings and your heart and your actions and your joys and your longings follow the truth that you have come to believe. May you celebrate Jesus in faith. He has freed you from your sin and he has gifted you life that you did not deserve and no one, including yourself, can rip that out of his hands. What a beautiful promise. 
to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, you are good to us. We thank you for your word today. We thank you for the book that we have spent 34 weeks unpacking. Spirit, for those in the room today who have never placed faith in Jesus, would you draw them and lead them to repentance today? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So Father, would would those who have not believed know God's love and place faith, belief in Jesus Christ, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, to purchase them acceptance from you? Would they believe that and receive life today? Life now and life eternal. Lead them to repentance. Father, for your children in this room who are wrestling with doubt or insecurity or fear, Would you assure them of your love that is sustained every day, that is new every morning? Father, that you have not left them, you have not abandoned them, you are not going anywhere. May your children who are wayward, who have ran to sin, who are living in depravity and in brokenness and in rebellion, May they see you as the Father and the Good Samaritan standing with his arms open. May they return to you. Perhaps out of love, perhaps out of desperation for life, may they return to you. May they know that you will accept them with arms wide open. Father, we thank you for the salvation that you have given us that we did not deserve and that you will sustain for us that we cannot hold on to ourselves. We thank you for that. We pray these things in your name. Amen. The following audio is from Amaze KC. More information about Amaze KC is available online at www.amazekc.com.